Well, today we are wrapping up our brief little two-week series called The Prayer of Agar. Uh, how many of you had the opportunity to actually read all of Proverbs chapter 30 this past week, which is what Agar wrote? Okay, a couple of you. How many of you intended to read it this past week, but then things happen, like life happens, right? I really would, I would encourage you to go and, and read it at some point. So I mentioned to you last week, his name actually means collector, and he was a collector of lists. And so he has these fascinating lists as he's like looking at, you know, who God is, and he just asks these like questions like, hey, have you ever thought about this? Or, you know, have you ever wondered? Or, you know, here's some things that, you know, I, I've noticed about life. So it's just a fantastic chapter. It won't take you long. It's only 33 verses. But as I mentioned to you last week, what makes this chapter so, so unique is that Augur writes the only prayer that we have in all of the book of Proverbs. So let's look at it one more time here together. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. Here's what he writes. Oh God, there are two things I ask of you. Please don't deny me of them before I die. First, keep deception and lies far from me. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches, but only just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Now, last week I talked to you about, okay, how do you keep deception and, and lies and deceit far from you? And we looked at then the, the second thing that he prayed about, and that is, okay, how do you have balance? How do you not live at like at either extreme in life, but you, you find what I call the, the Goldilocks principle, remember? That you got to find that which is just right. Or the, the sweet spot, that's what I, I called last week's message, you know, the, the sweet spot. That, that you got to find that, that sweet spot. And I mentioned to you that that term sweet spot, most of the time we think of it when we talk about sports. Like on a tennis racket or a baseball bat or a golf club, there's a, a little place on it that if you hit the ball off of it, that sweet spot, you're going to have the, the maximum velocity. You're going to have the most precise control when you hit the sweet spot. Now, here's the other way that we often use the term sweet spot, and that has to do with your, your career, that people are like, oh, man, they're, they're working in their sweet spot right now. It's a job that they love. It's something that, that they're like almost designed to do. It's like perfect for them. They, they love it. How many of you ever met somebody? Maybe it's a, a friend of yours. Maybe it's even a hero from afar that you look at somebody and you're like, oh my goodness, what they're doing right now, it's just so effortless for them. And it may not even be a job. It could be anything. Have you ever seen that before? It's like, man, that, that is effortless. They make it look easy what they're doing. That's the sweet spot. Now, how many of you are going, man, I would love to be living in the sweet spot myself. I'd love to know what it is God wants for me to do, just living right there in that sweet spot. Well, good news, you can. That's what I want to talk to you about today as we wrap up the series with what I've entitled, creatively, the sweet spot bonus. <laughs> so look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We read this. For we are God's masterpiece. We're what? What, the, what does Paul say here? We are God's, you're His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. Now, I think this is one of the most encouraging verses that we have in all of Scripture. Because what's this saying? You are God's masterpiece. You are His work of art. It's a reminder that God doesn't make junk. You are uniquely designed by Him and for Him. And you've been uniquely designed to do a good work, to make a difference with the one and only life that you've been given. And I remind you of this all the time, but let me remind it to you again. 
Life is not about you. Say that again. Life is not about you. Life is about you discovering who it is that God has called you to be and then you being the very best version of you that you can be so that you can make a difference, so that you can go out and you can serve as many people as you possibly can. Life is not about you. Now, at Exponential, when we talk about this, we have a a phrase, and it's actually one of the very few ministries that we have here. It's called You Matter. You ever wonder, why doesn't Exponential have like a lot of ministries that we can do and stuff? I've told you this before. If I just come up with a bunch of ministries, then you're coming and doing my thing. I want you to do the thing that God designed you to do. Now, true, we have some things here on Sundays, ushers and cafe and techs and band and all that. Those things have to be done just to keep a Sunday going. But I liken that to these are the family chores. We, we do it because we're a part of the family. That, that's why we open a door or we serve in, in some way. Those are the family. But that isn't why God created you to, oh, I'm an usher, you know. <laughs> Look at me. I ush very well, you know. <laughs> Whereas one little kid one time thought that they were called the hushers because, you know, they were all going, shh. <laughs> but that, that's not why you're here. That's not what you were designed for. And so many, many years ago, in fact, this was in my, my previous church that I pastored at, I had this, this sort of vision for this, and it was my wife, Lisa, and, and a friend of hers named Amanda, that they came up with this terminology of you matter. That every single day, we should be going out into the community, or maybe it's even in our own household or our office place, and showing people you matter to God and you matter to me as well. But here's the deal. A lot of people think that's all that you matter is, is just doing random acts of kindness. That's a part of it, but that's just the entryway. That's just the the gateway that gets you in to living a life that's not about you. Doing random acts of kindness every single day, it's just a reminder that I am here to serve others, not to be served myself. The real heart of what you matter is about is you, 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 you online. Every single one of you discovering Okay, why am I here? Why did God create me? And what are the gifts and the skills and the talents and the abilities that he's given me that I can use then to make a difference in people's lives? You all raised your hand earlier when I said, have you ever noticed somebody that's living in the sweet spot? That's all they've done. They've discovered the gifts, the skills, the abilities, the talents that they have. And then they're, they're utilizing their past experiences and their own unique personality, and they're going, okay, this is what God has called me to do. And they're operating in that. And that's what God wants you to be doing. See, you matter is, you matter to God and you matter to me. That's what we often think. But here's the other thing. It's about you, that you matter. Your life matters. You can make a difference with this one and only life that you've been given. Basically, what you matter is, is the answer to the proverbial question of what does God want me to do with my life? And again, Agar, he, he writes and he says, look, life is about balance. See, God doesn't want you pinballing from one thing to another. He wants you to find what it is you've been designed to do and then do it to the very best of your ability. Stick with it. Now, here's what's surprising when you, know, you start to talk to people about doing things for God, making a difference for him. A lot of people are like, well, that sounds like it's going to be boring. 
my life isn't going to have adventure. There's not going to be any fun. It's going to be a lot of repetition to it. It may even be backbreaking or unfulfilling. But you know what? Nothing could be further from the truth. It really could. I mean, oh my goodness, when you figure out who God has made you to be, that is an adventure unlike any you'll ever have. It's so fulfilling. And so we've got to discover who is it that God has designed us to be. Here's the deal. Most of the time, God is going to ask you to do things that are perfectly in alignment with your sweet spot. In other words, you're going to get to do the things that not only make a difference for him, but also make you happy as well. See, working for God doesn't mean that you can't be happy, that you can't have the desires of your heart. Now, obviously, the desires of your heart, you have to be careful that those desires aren't you know, sinful, illegal, immoral, unethical, something like that. But, but God does want you happy. He wants you to be fulfilled. And so he's going to place you and have you do the very thing that he has created you to do. Again, look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. God already has a plan for your life, and it's better than the plan that you have for your own life. But you've got to get on board with that plan. You're God's masterpiece. And the gifts and the passions He's given you, they can be turned around and given right back to Him in honor and glory. So listen, instead of putting your best efforts into things that you're like not good at, and instead of a lot of work and sweat and tears working on things that you're not good at, find the things you are good at and then do it. Again, for the honor and for the glory of God. So if you're a leader, commit to being the very best leader that you can possibly be. If you're a builder, commit that, you know what, I'm only going to build things which are going to last for God. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher you can be. If you're a plumber, be the best plumber that you can be. But do it for the glory and honor of God. Everything that we do, if, if you're a gardener and you like to plant, say, you know what, I'm going to commit to not just planting so that I can be fed, but I'm going to plant enough that others can be fed as well. If you're somebody that, that loves people, then love deeper, hug tighter, you know, help people that are hurting, discover your sweet spot. How many of you are going, Gilbert, I'd like to know my sweet spot, but I'm going to need a little help in discovering exactly what that is. Yeah, we all, we all do. At some point, we have to sort of look within and go, okay, God, who am I? What, what am I here for? What is it that you'd have for me to do? Well, here's the good news for you. We offer something here at Exponential called klesis. Klesis is the Greek word for calling. And what this class does, it's, it's a five-week period. It's four different classes that we offer. And you're going to discover, okay, what is it that I'm here for? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Our next round of classes is starting on October the 22nd. So I, I hope after today's message, you'll be inspired that, yeah, go over it. I, I want to sign up. I want to I be a part of the next round of this. 
And what we'll do over those, those five weeks is we're going to look at six different areas of your life. And we're going to see how they all converge together to form your clasis or your calling. What I thought I would do today is give you just a brief little overview of some of the things that you're going to learn during the clasis class. Again, this is just an, an overview, but it, it gives you an idea. So what I want you to do is I want you to think of life as a triangle. All right, and they're going to put it on the screen here for you. you, you your life is a triangle. So you've got the three outer edges, the lines there, that, that form the actual triangle. Inside of the triangle, then you have three other triangles, smaller triangles. And then those form then one final triangle there in the middle. You're going, that doesn't make any sense to me. What's that have to do with my life and what it is that God has called me to do? Well, each one of those lines and each one of those triangles, we sort of give a label to. And so the, the first label then, in, and by the way, all three of the outside lines, these are all very objective things, things that we can see in your life, right? Very objective. So the, the first one is this, personality. Personality. God has wired you up for a specific reason. How many of you are morning people? How many are night owls? That's me. I'm a night owl, right? There's a reason for that. And there's certain ministries that you should do or not do based on are you a morning person or not. I am not a morning person. If I had my way, I'd wake up at the crack of noon. Now, I can't sleep in that long, but that, that's, if I had my way, that's what I would do. Which means me leading a men's Bible study at 5.30 a.m. for guys before they head off to work, that is not a good idea. Now, am I a teacher? Yes. But at 5.30? No. I just went to bed. So again, God has wired you up. He's given you a personality and different character traits for a reason. Are you introverted or extroverted? Are you sort of laid back? Are you hard charging? Are you a leader or are you a follower? You know, as you read through Scripture, you see all kinds of examples of God using all types of people to reach all types of people, or uh, all types of people to reach all types of people. And they're doing it in different ways. Think about Paul. Paul, man, he was a, a guy, he was full of zeal. Paul was a go-getter. Paul had passion. Paul, Paul wanted adventure. And so how did God use him? Well, he sends Paul off on all these missionary trips. What's Paul doing? He's leading people to Jesus. He's, he's planting new churches. He's making disciples. He's just everywhere. Then you got a guy like John. John was a little laid back, maybe a little introverted. But yeah, God uses John to write five different books in the New Testament where we most see the loving side of Jesus and the compassionate side of Jesus. Now here's the question. Who was right? Who was better? And the answer is, neither one. They were doing what God had called them to do and doing it in the unique personality that God had given them. Neither approach was better. Both were right. In other words, there is no right or wrong personality. So don't beat yourself up if you're not a morning person or you're not a night hour or whatever. If you're introverted or extroverted. You are who you are for a reason and God wants to use that. So be the best version of you that God has created you to be. Remember, our, our common mission is to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. That's for everybody. But how we go about doing that is going to look different 
for everybody. You don't have to be like anybody else. Just be the best version of you that you can possibly be. And so what we do during classes is we actually pay to have you take two personality tests. One is the Myers-Briggs test. How many of you ever heard of Myers-Briggs before? It's a very, very common one. You know, are you an ESTJ, an INSP? I'm making up letters now. All, all I knew was ESTJ because that's me. But no, INFP, I know that is one. Uh, but anyway, there, there's all these different like personalities that, that people have. And again, many of you are familiar with Myers-Briggs. It's used in business a lot. But we also give you the Enneagram test. And I actually preached about this back at the beginning of the year. And I love this one because the Enneagram not only shows you your strengths and your weaknesses, but it also shows you how you're going to best interact with other people based on your personality. And the thing I like the most about it is it actually reveals what your deadly sin is. That this is the one sin that is most likely to trip you up based on your own personality. And once you see that, you're like, oh man, yeah, that, that's it. That, that's mine. And so knowing your own personality, this is a huge part of knowing the calling on your life. So that's the first thing. The next one is gifts. Next part of the triangle, gifts. Again, the Greek word for calling is klesis. In Latin, the word for calling is vocatio. And that is where we get our English word vocation from. Now, a lot of times when you say to somebody, what is your vocation? What are you actually asking them? What is your what? You're asking them, what's your job? But the better thing than saying, what is your vocation, would be to say, what is your occupation? That's the better word. See, occupation is, what do you do for a living? A vocation is, what have you been called to do with your life? They are different. Your vocation and your occupation aren't necessarily the same thing. Now, I'm fortunate enough that my vocation and my occupation are the same. But for most of you, that's not going to be the case. Your vocation and your occupation are going to be two separate things. And that's what I've been talking about with you for years. That we are all full-time ministers of the gospel of Christ. I don't care who pays your paycheck. That's what you do for a living. How you pay your bills. What you do with your life. That is being a minister of the gospel. That is your vocation. And so you need to know, how is it that God has called me? What is the vocation that I'm to have? Again, not your occupation. What is your vocation? And that's important. Now, to help us with our vocation, God has given each and every one of us a very special gift. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, and then we're going to look at verse 11 as well. Paul writes this, God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, look at your screens there. You notice that there's five different giftings there. Apostle, Prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Take the first letter of each one of those, and we have what's called apest. These are called the apest gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. You are one of these five things. You're either an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, or a teacher. Again, what we do during classes is we pay to have you evaluated for which one are you? You're going, what do those words even mean? Well, let me briefly just give you each one. So there's apostle. That's the first one. What do apostles do? They're the ones that start things for God. They're the ones that build things for God. They're, they're the, the ones that, that go off and they, they just, they're always planning new churches and starting new ministries. And they, these are the apostles. 
Next then we have the prophets. What do the prophets do? Well, these are the ones that they, they notice what's missing in the kingdom of God or what's wrong in the kingdom of God. And they are called by God to point it out to the church. To say, Here, here's what's missing. Here, here's what's wrong. We need to repent of this. And so prophets, they, they bring correction. They bring rebuke. Prophets aren't fun to be around, by the way, but, but we need them, right? So you got the apostles, you got the prophets, then the evangelists. What do evangelists do? These are the men and women who go, you know what, there are people in our world that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, that if they were to die today, they would spend an eternity in a very real place called hell. And so what do the evangelists do? They go out and they, they demonstrate their faith and they share verbally their faith with other people in the hopes that people will pray and ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins. They want people to experience the, the forgiveness and the new life that Jesus offers right here and right now and in the life to come. So that's the evangelists. Then you got the, the shepherds. What, what do the shepherds do? The shepherds are the ones that they're, they're very caring. They're very compassionate. They love people. They are people, people. Or people, uh, persons? What, yeah, something like that. You know what I mean though, right? They, they love people. And they, they see the needs in people's lives. And they're always coming alongside of people and they're, they're loving them and they're caring for them. Uh, the, the shepherds make great counselors. So we need people like that in the kingdom of God. Then you got the teachers. That's the last one. That's people like myself that can take very complex spiritual things and break it down in a way that people can understand. Again, you have one of these five gifts. You're either an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, or teacher. You need to know what that is because that's a part of your vocation, your calling, your places, and what you're supposed to do for the kingdom of God. The next uh, part of the uh, triangle and the, the last one that's on the outside there is your experiences. Your experiences. Did you know that in Scripture there are 3,237 individuals that are named? That's a lot of people. Now some like David and Moses and Peter and Paul, we know a lot about their story. We got people like Agar here in Proverbs 30. He writes a whole chapter of the Bible, and until last week, most of you didn't even know that the guy existed. And what I said last week is it doesn't matter if anybody knows your name. It doesn't matter if you're, you're famous or not. We can still be used to make a difference. And the point I want to make with that today is this. Even if nobody ever knows your name, you still have a story to tell. Your experiences are different than everybody else who has ever lived in all of human history. No two of us are exactly alike because where you were born, how you were raised, did you get education or you didn't get education? Who did you end up dating? Uh, what jobs have you had? You know, did you get married? You didn't get married. Did you have kids? You didn't have kids. Where have you traveled to? How, how, how have you done with money? Have you spent a lot of money? Or have you been saving money? What, what if, no, no two of us are exactly alike. Each and every one of us have different experiences. We have a unique story to tell. And so what God wants to do is He wants to take your experiences, both good and bad, and use those experiences to help you to minister to others. And I've shared this with you in the past as well, that your greatest misery can become your greatest ministry. Why? Because nobody knows the hurt of addiction like an addict. Nobody knows the pain of divorce like somebody that's been through a divorce. Nobody knows what it's like to, 
to have a, a, a say, a trouble reading, you know, that, that you struggled in school with reading, then somebody else that's gone through that. So if you struggle with things, you can come alongside of others and minister to them to help them with their addiction, to help them with their reading disability, to help them with, you know, the, the pain of a divorce. God wants to use your experiences to honor Him. And so again, none of us are alike. And so what we do during the class is we help you to see how your past, the things in the past, may actually be pointing forward to what God wants you to do in the future. All right, so those are the three outer parts of the triangle. Now we get to the inner triangles. And these are going to be the subjective things. They're not objective. These are very subjective. This is just how you sort of feel. So the first one is this, your heart. Now, by heart, what I mean is your passions. There are certain groups of people or projects or, or certain sins that you see that, that move you. Some things move you greatly to, to greater love and compassion. Some things, they move you to a point of righteous anger. But you need to know, what are those things that, that, that stir my heart? Those things that I look at and go, oh my goodness, I want to be a part of that. Or those things that, that, that so stir up in you and you go, that is not right that something like that is happening in the world. And God, I want to be a part of the solution and helping to change that before I die. And so what we do in the, the classes class is we give you an exercise that helps you to understand, okay, exactly what is it that, that moves me deeply? Whether it's good or bad, what moves me deeply? Next then is prayer. And prayer is probably the most important out of all these because let's face it, when you're praying, if God tells you to do something, whether it has anything to do with any of the other things we talked about before, you got to do it. But here's the deal. Most of the time, God is going to instruct you in prayer and lead you in things that are already in alignment with who he's called you to be. True, there's those times he's going to get you out of your comfort zone. But most of the time, it's going to be in alignment with all these other things that we've been looking at. So what we do during the class is we help you to learn how do you hear from God in this way. And then we actually give you an opportunity to practice it in the class of taking some time to, to listen and talk to God of what is it that you would have for me to do. Finally, then we get to the, the last one, and that is counsel. Once you have gone through all the other five that we've talked about so far, you're going to start to get at least a general sense of, okay, I think this is where God may have me to go. And now is the time that you go and you start to talk to other people. Christian people. People that you go, hey, I've been taking this class and, and here's what I think God is asking me to do. Where he's calling me to. What, what do you think about it? And they're like, oh my goodness, it's about time you saw it. I've been trying to tell you that for years. Or maybe they go, oh my, no, 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 no. That is not you. You may think that that's you, but it's not you. Now, again, remember, if in prayer, God is telling you to do something and you know that you know that you know that you know that it's God, you got to do it, even if everybody else calls you crazy. But most of the time, wise counselors around you are going to be able to look and go, yes, that is what God wants you to do, or no, I, I think you should continue to investigate this a little deeper and a little bit more. And so that's why I said that Clasis is four different classes, but it's over a five-week period. And the reason that we have to have that extra week is we give you two weeks to actually go and start talking 
to some family members and friends and others who are Christians to get their input of what you've been learning and what God may be calling you to do. Now, by the end of the five weeks, all six of these areas that we talked about should give you a general idea of that final triangle in the middle that is your calling or your places. And so you, you can't rely too much on like just your experiences or you can't rely just too much on what other people are saying or your personality. It's got to be all six of those things coming together to form your places. That's what I was talking about earlier that, you know, I, I love to teach, but my personality would say teaching at 530 in the morning is not a good idea. You know, we, you know, you get people that are like, I love to sing. I want to sing. And then it's like, yeah, you may have the heart, the passion for it. But no, <laughs> you're like me. You're a backup singer. In other words, when I sing, people back up. I mean, it's bad. You don't want me up here singing. Why? Because it's not my, you know, and, and then there's people who are like, oh, well, you know, I want to be the front door greeter and open the door. It's like, no, you're meaner than a junkyard dog. I've known you. You know, we're not putting you there. <laughs> so again, all these things, they, they all have to line up. And once you have all six in alignment, there you find your places, your call, your vocation. That's your sweet spot. Again, I want you to think back to, we, we mentioned at the beginning of the message here, that there are certain people, you've, you've looked at their life and you go, wow, what they're doing just looks so effortless, looks so easy, it looks so natural. And you're right, it does. And it's not because they're lucky and, and just got the perfect thing to do or that they're super smart or talented, they just discovered, okay, Here's how, like, all the things of how God has made me to be. Here's how they all line up. And that's my sweet spot. And that's what I'm going to do each and every day of my life. And that's what you need to do as well. And so, again, on October 22nd, that's a Saturday, we're going to start our next round of places. If you're interested, please let me know. We'll get you signed up for it. Um, again, we, we would ask that you would make the commitment that you can be there for each of the, uh, the sessions because we end up spending, I think it's, 70 or $80 on each person that goes through it uh, in the testing and various things that needs to be done. So uh, we want to make sure that you're actually committed to it. But again, let, let me know about that and uh, we'll, we'll get you signed up for it. As I wrap up, let me just say this. I want you to go ahead and claim your title as the one person in the world who's uniquely qualified to be you. That's you. You're the only person who is uniquely qualified to be you. So be the best version of you that you can possibly be. Do it with excellence. Live in the sweet spot and ultimately do it all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this day and thank you for these last two weeks as we've looked at the prayer of Agar and, and last week in that, that thing of just not allowing lies and deception uh, to be a part of our lives and finding that, that sweet spot, that, that perfect balance where we're not living at the extremes. And Lord, I, I pray that same thing for today, that we would find balance in our lives, that it wouldn't be that we're relying too much on our personality or our experiences or our giftings or whatever, but we would find perfect balance and that in the center there, we would find what it is you'd have us to do with our lives.
Lord, thank you that you again today have reminded us that life isn't about us, but it's all about you. And what can we do to advance your kingdom? And so, Lord, help us to be the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be. Lord, I pray that for those that are here, those that are watching online, if their heart's been stirred that, oh, I, I, I so want to live in the sweet spot. I so want to find my places. Lord, I just pray that they would make the commitment to those four different Saturdays that we'll be meeting together this fall. And that, Lord, in the midst of that, you would give us clarity and you would give us just a revelation into who it is that each and every one of us are and what we can do best in order, in order to uh, further your kingdom. So, Father, just uh, help each and every one of us to realize that we are full-time ministers of the gospel. No matter who pays our paycheck, we are full-time ministers. And so help us to live that out, to show people that you matter by doing that every single day, that you matter to God, you matter to me as well. But then, Lord, also discovering that thing that's in us that we're going to devote our lives to that's going to bring you glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus, that you use simple people like us to do amazing things for you, even if nobody ever knows our name. Thank you again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, one of the things I didn't mention there in the message is once you discover what your calling is, that places, what we want to do as Exponential Church is your leadership is to help you get that ministry then up and running. And that's going to look different for everybody. That may mean that we're going to financially support you in some way. It may mean that, well, it's going to mean for everybody we're going to be praying for you. But it may mean that we're going to provide some volunteers to help. Could mean sending you off to a conference to get some more training. See, again, that's why we don't have ministries here at Exponential. We want you to have your own ministry. Instead of us pouring a lot of resources into ministries that we're doing here, we want to pour our resources into you so that you can do your ministry to make a difference out in Harrisburg and beyond or in Hagerstown or Haiti or wherever God may call you to be. And so that, that's our, our commitment to you is the leadership, is that when you discover this, we're going to help you in that.